Welcome to The Worst Best Sellers, where we read about a binder full of men so you don't have to. I'm Kate. And I'm Renata. And for this episode, we read The Last Boyfriend by Nora Roberts. Joining us to discuss the second book in the In Boonesboro trilogy is recent robe convert, Christine, our resident Nora Roberts expert. Hello, Christine. Hey, guys. What's up? Welcome back. Welcome back to the show. A sad welcome back to the reality of no longer being in Boonesboro altogether like we were two weeks ago. I mean, I have done my best to recreate uh, in Boonesboro in my home with my robe and my tea and other things. So I feel pretty good. Your ghost. Yeah, we know. Yeah, I I imported a ghost, which was really hard (laughs) to find. I imported the scent of ghosts. (laughs) i imported the taste of the scarlet pimpernel i guess yeah i brought home the pomegranate tea also but i am not drinking it right now but i could be could be it's a little late for tea. if we had planned it we were all drinking boonsboro tea for recording this yeah what a good idea that would have been that we didn't have until right now hey this is an audio podcast which means we can lie (laughs) Yeah, we're all drinking the tea. I'm drinking <laughs> right now. <laughs> oh my god, Jordi is rubbing his face on the microphone. I can't imagine what that sounds like. Fucking get out of here. I love you so much. Go away. <laughs> and that's been Duarte's corner. <laughs> oh, he can't wait. He's very worked up. He also kept trying to drink my seltzer and then getting mad about it. I, was like, I mean, I feel similarly when I try to drink someone's seltzer, so I'm with Duarte here. I know, but he has his own little fountain. Wait, when you drink seltzer, you want to rub up against somebody's microphone? No, when I drink seltzer, I get mad about it. Oh, that's fair. I think the lesson is clear, and we just, we really need to get back to Boonsboro to recharge. I think yeah. we're already exhausted from the the world of not being in Boonsboro. It's very true. Yeah. I it's hate hard. it here. Guys, it's hard. <laughs> By the way, if you're listening to this and you somehow didn't listen to our previous episode, which was about the next always or the bonus Boonsboro episode, I I don't know. This is nonsense. But <laughs> if you listen yeah. to our podcast, you're probably sort of used to nonsense. So go off, I guess. Yeah, if this is your very first episode, I'm a little bit sorry, but this is sort of the nonsense you should be getting used to. But we did, as we discussed in our previous episode, the next always. These titles are so weird. I know. I keep wanting to do the next boyfriend. Yeah, That's not it. No. I'm very romantic. <laughs> <laughs> the next always uh, was the first book in the In Boonesboro trilogy. And we read it with uh, the folks from the Romancing the Shelf podcast, Heidi and Emily. And they, we talked a little bit about the book and a lot about how we were planning a trip to go to in Boonesboro, where they had previously been. And then we went to Boonesboro with Christine and her wife and spent a lovely weekend there and recorded a bonus episode about it. So then last week, a little surprise bonus episode in our feeds about our time in Boonesboro at in Boonesboro. 
And now here we are talking about the second. And I mean, we might a little bit also talk about the third book in the In Boonesboro trilogy, The Last Boyfriend. The third book is The Perfect Hope. And as a reminder, these are these are three books in a trilogy about three best friends who fall in love with three brothers who own a contracting agency that has rebuilt the inn in Boonesboro, Maryland, and they all fall in love. Yeah. The couples are fictional. Not the, the brothers the, don't fall in love. They love each other as a family already. They're Yes. The, but the couples are fictional and the inn is real. Yes. And Nora Roberts owns it. And I can't get over enough what a delicious scam this is. Fucking queen shit. It is. So before we even start fucking talking about the book, the inn is so, it is exactly as described in the books. It is, is fucking wild (laughs) to to go and look around and be like, ah, yes, this does map over like my brain picture of what she was talking about in these novels. It's fantastic. It was perfect. Okay, so the book. So the last book was about the brother Beckett and his uh, his girlfriend Claire, who's about to become wife Claire. And then in when we talked about that book, I was like, oh, my favorite brother is Owen because he's like the spreadsheet brother. And he's always like, got to do a spreadsheet, got to do a binder. And the other brothers are like, nah, like we don't do that. We just do woodworking. And I was like, oh, Owen's well, a nerd and I like him. I, I will say they Owen is the nerdiest brother, but the first brother, um, not Ryder, uh, Beckett, Beckett, also has like a master's degree in architecture. He is also the like the big picture brother, and then uh, uh, Beckett's the big picture brother. Owen is the like detail oriented brother, and Ryder is the build things with his hands brother. Although they all do, of course, because it's a Nora Roberts book, a fair amount of building things with their hands. Yeah, and also because they that's their job. Ryder's also the little like pipsqueak brother, like you know, asshole, asshole brother is what I want yes. to say. Yeah, yes, those words mean two different things. <laughs> He's the babyest brother and the rudest brother. Correct. Yeah. The babiest and the baddest. Uh, So in the first book, we had uh, Beckett falling in love with Claire, his girl he had a crush on in high school, who was widowed young and had three young boys. And uh, they rekindled, or well, in his case, sort of rekindled. And she had, they had never actually dated, but they started dating and fell in love. And by the end of the book, after a, in my eyes, uh, far too short stalker plotline, for a mystery element to this book, the ghost who has taken up residence in the inn that they are all renovating together warned Beckett that Claire was in danger from her stalker and Beckett was able to go and save her. And now they are engaged and getting ready to get married. And Claire's best friend, Avery, is another person who has like lived in the town forever and is friends with the brothers and owns the pizza place Vesta, which is across the street from the inn. And by the way, it's it's still there. The building is still there in real life, but there was a fire and it's not open for pizza, which we talked about before going there. And I just want to say it's still closed and you still can't get pizza there. And I wanted to. Yes, <laughs> but... 
there was an alternative in this book or the next book, both books, Avery makes a pitch to open a tap room and restaurant across the street. And there does exist a tap room and restaurant across the street, which is not the one that is described in the book, but it is there. And the food there is incredible. And I feel like we need to talk a little bit about big pretzel. I would love nothing more than to talk about big pretzel. It was so big. It was so pretzel. It was so um, big. Big pretzel is a scam. <laughs> okay, Christine, stop it. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. Just, ignore, I, ignore Christine. I big, can't. Big pretzel was iconic. Uh, it was so big that you needed to cut it in half to fit it into one of those, like, you know, square takeout containers. And yeah, like a, like then, a big one. Yeah, like a big one that you'd have like a big salad in. And even then, the container could not close all the way to contain all of Big Pretzel. It was incredible. By the way, I do think physically that the tap room is as described. Like, the name is different from, you know, it's not it's not McTee's, which is what Avery names hers. But, like, the way that she describes the big bar and the way that the room builds, like, I don't, I don't think Nora actually owns it, but the building is the same building. Yes. No, because I thought in the book... The tap room is attached to Vesta. No, no, it's across the street. The tap room is attached to itself. So ah. it's 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 like how it's like how the tap room we went to was where there's another room that has a bar and games in it, and then which we never sat in there, but I went there because when I went to pick up more big pretzels, where you pick <laughs> where you pick up the takeout is in the bar area, and I was like, oh, it's just like in the book. Gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> big pretzel. So th- there's like the restaurant area and then the bar slash big pretzel pickup area. <laughs> I think you can rename this episode Big Pretzel. Laura <laughs> Roberts and the Big Pretzel. In my heart, that's the star. Yes. Of, of it was, everything. It was incredibly good. <laughs> but for now, enough about Big Pretzel, but secretly never actually enough about Big Pretzel. <laughs> so yes, in the in the book, Avery owns Vesta, the pizza place, which is currently closed in real life because of fire. And she is, despite like her like sharp business acumen and her, you know, ability to like run what seems to be like the only fucking restaurant in this town very well. Uh, she's kind of a all over the place, scatterbrained, a little bit messy, a little bit disorganized type person. And she has been friends with Owen since they were kids mm-hmm. he was her what she like jokingly refers to as her first boyfriend because when she was six and he was eight she had a huge crush on him and asked him to marry her and he gave her a plastic ring out of a one of those like gumball prize gachapon machines mm-hmm. um and their family their families were close because their dads were best friends and the the montgomery's dad has died before the events of the book and meanwhile avery is very close with her dad willie b who designed the light fixtures and some other stuff for the inn like he was mentioned in the first book but he didn't come up as a character as much but he's he's been around making his beautiful um chandeliers that look like acorns which again are in the inn and are dope as hell they're so pretty and i i'm so mad at myself that i didn't get a picture of the little mice on the wrought iron railing for the staircase 
I walked by them a couple times at night and was like, oh, I have to go back in the daytime with my phone and take a picture of these mice. And then I didn't. So now we definitely have to go back. That, yeah, for, 100%. That's why. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Willie B is Avery's dad. And he's, he's, I he's guess, single divorced. Dad. Not actually technically divorced. Like, at some point, that must have gone through. Like, anyway. The Avery's mom, like, walked out when Avery was 12, but then it said, like, she wouldn't sign the paperwork, but it must have, because she did marry, this is, like, way ahead, she did marry that other guy, though, right? Now I can't remember if she actually married him or just had a relationship with him. Because there was, anyway, their dads were friends. Yes. And now each of them only has a parent, you know, there's the Montgomery mom and then the Avery McTavish dad and the other the other gender parents are out of the picture for whichever yes. reasons yes um so the in the first book if you did not listen to that episode the moment that beckett and claire both kind of like awaken to the idea of a romance between them is when they are in the inn alone and they feel the presence of the ghost and the ghost has them stuck in a room together and they smell honeysuckle and they have this great moment where they almost kiss but then they don't and then they start their relationship so now here we are it's several months later Claire and Beckett are engaged the inn is almost ready to be open to the public and Avery is helping out has been like helping out with little bits and pieces of getting the inn together uh, and she's there with Owen and they are in a room together and they get locked in that room together and they feel the presence of the ghost and they think the ghost wants them to kiss and they do kiss like a lot and they're into it. Hell yeah. I mean, that's, that's how I got Nicole to go with me is uh, <laughs> like I got her stuck in a room with me and had a ghost say she wanted us to kiss. That, that's totally a thing that happened. I I think that that would be more believable if you didn't go around telling other single lesbians you know that they should take a self-defense class because that's how you meet all the hot girls. There was a ghost in the self-defense class. Yeah. <laughs> it, was a, it was a self-defense class against ghosts. Against ghosts. Oh, wow. I didn't yeah. even know Purchase offered that. I it's a deep, signed up for it. <laughs> it's a very advanced school. Very forward-thinking. uh yeah so that's sort of the setup that we have for this book and the majority much like the the first one and you know i think i've talked before about how like this is the thing that i do like in the noras is that like because other things are going on the couples do tend to get together pretty quickly and then much more of the book is dedicated to their relationship developing than this kind of will they or won't they yeah they will yes (laughs) um yeah and as well as like their relationships with the brothers their friends their family like it's stuff her books i've said it before i'll say it always they're so character driven and these characters and are like so real and their relationships are so real overall they are so real. I think Owen has a few issues. I, some of his issues are realistic. I think that Nora Roberts is maybe not the most tech savvy person, but she wants Owen to be tech savvy. So it's like very funny to me that she's like, 
Owen loves his iPad and he always loves to use his iPad or play with his iPad. But I don't think Nora Roberts really knows what you do with an iPad. And I thought that was funny. <laughs> like, I think she pictures Owen as like a child where you just like hand him the iPad with like, like a movie on it and he just like stares at it. But it's like, it, oh, that's Owen's like hobby is iPad. <laughs> It, it was. It's particularly funny to me too because it is referred to specifically as an iPad. And uh, my roommate and I just watched Ted Lasso season two, which yes, we're very behind on the times. I didn't have Apple TV. Leave me alone. Um, and it, just like the Apple product placement in that show yeah. is very. That is a show where people will be like playing on their iPads. No one has cases on their iPads because they have their phones because they have to show their Apple products. But that's what I kept thinking of. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and playing on his iPad like a sticky iPad kid. <laughs> <sighs> anyway, this was a good book. I don't in the okay in the when we recorded the last episode and I said that I thought. The next always was my new favorite Nora book. And Heidi and Emily are like, oh, but like you like Owen so much. So I wonder if The Last Boyfriend will be your new favorite. And I'm here to say that, no, it's not because Owen, aside from like playing with his iPad, which I think is funny, <laughs> but he there's some things he does in this book that like really irked me and made me slightly downgrade him. And although I I'm happy that this book didn't really have a crime plot at all. I found that I really was missing the energy of the three kids from the first book. I think that they and their humor like really are what pushed that book over the top to me. And they're still in this one, but not as much, obviously, because their mom is Claire and she's already found her last boyfriend. So, yeah, yeah. Nora Roberts does do little and it, and generally little boys just very well. You can tell that. Clearly, she had them. She probably has a bunch of grandkids because I don't know her. Her little kids always feel really on on point. Yeah, yes. and I do also. I feel too that this the kind of drama that like each each book had this sort of like subplot from the past of the female character that kind of like pushed the conflict. We'll say. Mm -hmm. And I, I just wasn't as big a fan of that subplot in this one, which was Avery's mother, who, like Renata said, had walked out when Avery was, I think, like 10 or 11, 12, 12, 12. close, uh, walked out when, when Avery was 12 because she didn't want to be a mom anymore. And Avery has felt like very abandoned by that. Like she was never around. She didn't like, she just disappeared. She didn't like, we kind of inferred or implied earlier like it's not clear whether or not she ever divorced Avery's dad like she didn't like say to him like hey like I think our relationship is over she just literally walked out one day yeah and a lot of the you know conflict with that is you know these, these feelings of abandonment that Avery has and then her mother returning to look for money and just the whole handling of that plot line like I didn't love it was very it was very abrupt. Yes. And it felt like it was really only there to in, introduce some more conflict between Avery and Owen. 
but it seemed it was like a, a silly the whole thing felt weird and out of place and it brought down the vibe to be honest yeah real especially for me what really brought down the vibe is like okay so one of the issues that they have that's ongoing is that like Avery doesn't like to ask for help. She doesn't like to talk about her problems, which is relatable. But, you know, Owen is like, I'm a team player. Like, your problems are my problems. I want to help you. And she's like, no. And then he is mad because he can tell she's upset by something, but she won't say it's her mom. And so he, like, picks her up and carries her out of the restaurant where she is working and carries her upstairs to her apartment and like throws her in the bed and is like you have to talk about her feel your feelings and then she bites him which again <laughs> i love i would rather bite you than talk about my feelings and that's that's so valid avery but then she okay i'm gonna this is not dramatic reading time but here's a couple quotes quick as a snake Sneaky as a shark. She sank teeth in the back of his hand. He cursed, hissed in air as he wrestled her down again. Jesus, you drew blood. Which, first of all, you have to go to the emergency room now, Owen. And he never does. And you should have gone to the emergency room for your human bite. <laughs> and then later, she later that same night, she's like, I'm glad you acted like a bully and dragged me up here. No, don't be. What? That's not how you should do things i don't think Ugh. yeah it was very irritating and it, it just felt very i don't know the whole thing it, it pulled me out of the general vibe of the book didn't love it didn't love the argument that they end up having about avery's mother having had an abortion um yeah and how avery felt about that and not knowing that it had happened which at times, like, teetered back and forth on the line of, like, being, like, firmly anti-choice. Yeah. Because, okay, because so here's the issue is, you know, Avery is an only child and her dad would have loved to have more kids. And everyone always talks about, like, how he's still, like, good with kids and would be, like, a good grandpa, like, blah, 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 blah. And her mom shows up and casually mentions, by the way, her mom shows up and is like, oh, you're so pretty. I thought you'd be ugly because you were like ugly when you were 12. <laughs> that's yeah. Like, from her mother, gosh. Her mom sucks. <laughs> her mom is, and like, that's why like, it feels weird being on her mom's side because yeah. her mom is a straight up dick to her the entire yeah. time they talk. Her mom sucks, but her mom does have the right to choose and that's feminism. <laughs> Even women who suck have the right to an abortion. Yes. But so her mom is like, anyway, like, you were just, like, such an annoying baby that I couldn't stand up another child. So when I got pregnant, I had an abortion. And Avery's like, what? And she's like, what? Like, dad never told me that. And she's like, oh, I didn't tell your dad. Like, da-da-da. It wasn't, like, his business. And I was like, yeah, it kind of wasn't. Like, <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> I mean, I know you're married and you're supposed to talk it over, but, like, ultimately, like, he wasn't pregnant. Okay. Anyway, Avery, like, freaks out about that. She keeps, like, literally slut-shaming her mom. She uses the word slut, like, a lot. It's, yeah, it's just, like, a not cool vibe all around. Yes. And... And then they sort of resolve that and they like apologize and whatever. And they're like, we're a team. We have to talk about stuff. Da-da-da-da-da. And then Claire asks 
Uh, Claire asks Avery to go buy a pregnancy test for her and then because she's going to the next big town and Claire's like I'm pretty sure I'm pregnant but I just want to test to confirm but if I buy it here everyone's gonna like talk about it and Avery's like totally yeah I'll go get one for you and so Owen happens to be in the town also getting items at the store like you do and he sees her buying the pregnancy test and he is like she's pregnant she's not gonna tell me and like and what's weirdest to me is that he's like, well, here we go. She had to be freaked out, except she hadn't looked freaked out. She looked calm. She'd even smiled a little as she added it to her basket. And like multiple times, he's like, I'm not just mad that she bought a pregnancy test. I'm mad that she didn't even look worried about it. And yeah. he just like really freaks out about her, like peacefully purchasing a pregnancy test at CVS. I love how this man who has, who's like the detailed man cannot conceive of another reason why a woman would buy a pregnancy test, except for she must be pregnant. He yeah. actually does. He's like, though, is he's like, do women buy pregnancy tests just to have in case like band-aids? And then he's like, but Avery wouldn't because she like she didn't even stock up on tape when she needed tape, <laughs> which, which is sort of bad. Like Avery is not. <laughs> That rings true. She is not the kind of woman who would have a pregnancy <laughs> test on hand just in case. But Owen does briefly but, consider that possibility. But, but I mean, he knows <laughs> that his brother is sleeping with a woman that he's going to marry and would probably want to have more children with. And so it doesn't. And he knows Avery's friends with them. So, like, I can't believe it doesn't. Yeah. Even, it's not like, oh, maybe he's buying it. She's buying it for like, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. He bre- he considers one other possibility, but then stops and he's like, "No, it must be for her." <laughs> it, it, yeah, it's all. It must be for Avery. Either she's stocking up, or she's pregnant. Not she couldn't yeah. possibly be buying this for somebody else. Yeah, which is especially funny because while he's there, he's buying stuff for his brothers because they're like, "Oh, you're going into big town, like buy me deodorant or whatever." Yeah, but women don't do that. Apparently, women just buy their own shit. No, women are selfish. Um, yeah, and 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 it's hard to be like this fell out of character for Owen, but when like A Nora Roberts created him, so like she gets to say what's in character, I guess. But like based on how he was in the first book, this all felt like really I didn't like it. It felt it felt out of character. I felt like he was like becoming unreasonable. Yeah, it it was um I think Christine actually asked us when we were there which book was our favorite in the trilogy. And I had said that like, I I liked the carrot when, when they weren't being like weirdly unhinged, I liked Avery and Owen the best as a couple, but I do think the first book is still my favorite just because that it felt like a much more solid. I like, I liked all of the characters constantly. Like as a couple, I liked them better as a story. I liked it better. It didn't have all of these weird, like, angry conflicts about nothing yeah because in the first one like they're united against the weird stalker and here they don't really have an outside force. i mean i guess the mom kind of but like they don't really have an outside force to unite again so they're like bickering with each other but about like stupid shit yeah like i could have she could have just left the mother out and i wouldn't have noticed you know it would have been then it would have just been a nice story about a cute couple getting together like and i would have been fine with that i didn't need the mother conflict yeah yeah 
And even, I mean, you could have mentioned, like, oh, I have abandonment issues because my mom, like, left. And that's, like, a character detail. But then never have her come back to, like, because she really, like, she asks for money. Avery freaks out. She's upset and doesn't want to talk about it. And then her dad gives her money and then she, like, leaves forever. So it is, like, resolved pretty quickly. But it's just enough to make Owen, like, freak out and, like, literally carry her out of the pizza restaurant and, like, pin her to the bed. And, like, it's not... Um, you know, he doesn't like rape her, but he like puts her there and is like, we're not like leaving until you talk about your feelings. And it just like sucked. Yeah, it it felt like and I feel like I would have been more kind of like, ah, whatever about the pregnancy test part if both of them weren't in here. Because by the time we roll around to the pregnancy test, it feels like, okay, we've already done this with them talking about their feelings. Like we've already had this exact fight, more or less, where like Avery knows something and she's not telling Owen and, you know, they realize they need to talk about their feelings to each other or whatever. So to have it and then to have it again over nothing, like if it was just in there once, I feel like it would have been more palatable. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I, I, I do think, I think they had to have it twice, kind of, uh, by they, I think they, the characters, and Nora had it twice, because then to Owen, it was like, this is establishing a pattern, and, like, she's doing it again, allegedly, uh, because the first time, I mean, she was actually keeping something from him. Yes. And then he's like, oh, she's just like this, but then she wasn't, I mean, she sort of was, but she wasn't keeping something that involved him from him. Yeah. I think the moral of the story is that men are just nosy little bitches. And like Owen should mind his own business. Owen should mind his own business. Yeah. The other big thing that happens in this book that was great, though, is that we get some more movement on the ghost story. So in the first book, we know that there's a ghost. We know that Beckett has started calling her Lizzie because she shows up in the room themed after Elizabeth and Darcy. And uh, that the ghost in that book is what helps him save Claire when her stalker comes after her uh, by fogging up one of the bathroom mirrors and writing help Claire in the fog. And now in book two, we're seeing the ghost a little bit more. She makes herself appear to Owen. He sees her in a mirror in one of the rooms when they're setting up to get ready to open the inn. And we learn that her name actually is Lizzie. It's Eliza and that she went by Lizzie as a nickname. And so, and that's why she was called to the Elizabeth and Darcy room. Yes. She was like, and, wow, a room for me and Darcy, uh, who I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Hope is the third, the third person in the trio of Avery and Claire. Uh, she is our friend from Washington, D.C., who moved to become the innkeeper at Inn Boonesboro. And Owen starts working with Hope to do some research because Hope is also very detail oriented and very like researchy. And so the two of them decide that it's going to be their their journey to figure out who Lizzie is and try to help put her to rest or help her find do we we hear about billy for the first time in this one right yeah help her find billy who they think is the the her lost love who she was waiting at the inn to meet when she died of a fever and owen and hope are able to look up lizzie's death records and find out a little bit more about her but they can't seem to figure out who billy is but they do find out that hope is Lizzie's ancestor 
uh, that she is descended from Lizzie's sister, who went on to found a school for girls in Philadelphia. I just want to say that events at the inn and conversations with Christine briefly misled me into thinking that Billy might be a ghost cat, which I was really excited about. But he's uh, not. He's he's a human boy. I'm not sure how you got to that thought based on our conversations. <laughs> I'm also not sure. First of all, because I really wanted there to be one. But okay, so it's because- really... No, 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 no. Because you were like, did you figure out who Billy is yet? And I was like, oh, he's the ghost. Like, like, and you were like, no, did you figure it out? And then the tarot card reader was like, oh, isn't that the one with a ghost cat in it? And you were like, no, but you said it like so quickly that I was like, oh, is Billy the ghost cat? And like, you're, you don't want, you don't want her to tell me like, cause you wanted to be a surprise. Oh. So wait, wait, Renata, can I just, <laughs> do you think that Liz, Liza Lizzie has been pining for years for her dead cat to come back to her? Is that what I you would felt? be. I would be. Um, and I and I was briefly prepared. Like, I knew that it made more sense for it to be like a human romance. But wouldn't it be sweet? If, like... <laughs> If it was, like, her cat, and then they found it, and then she could, like, just, like, chill at the end with the cat in front of the fireplace forever? Um. Okay. Anyway, that's how it yeah. <laughs> I, I will say that I did immediately say, oh, he's, the, the brothers are descended from him, obviously. And that did end up being true in the third book. Spoiler alert. I have okay, well, <laughs> well, some of us see things differently. <laughs> Some of us aren't so heteronormative, Caitlin, okay? <laughs> Shout out to furries everywhere. Uh, okay, we that's were- not what this is. <laughs> <sighs> well, anyway, she smells like it's honeysuckle. Fine, <laughs> yeah, um, so we, we do get to start to find out more about the ghost, which is cool. The inn opens up, which is cool. People start staying there, and Claire has her wedding there, and it's lovely. And I mean, once again, there's a lot of like, there's a lot of like, ooh, we're moving in the furniture, and like, ooh, the rooms are getting ready, ooh, and yes. just a lot of that. And the big thing, the other big thing that we mentioned at the beginning was that Avery pitches that she would like to open a restaurant in this empty space across the street. And the monk there's, and I liked this. I feel like this could have been a better mind for the conflict that Nora was looking for between the two of them, Owen and Avery. Avery is irritated because the Montgomery's who own the land initially the mother and Beckett are like, yeah, we think it's a good idea. Like we think Avery is like a good businesswoman and knows a lot about restaurants. And Owen is kind of like, uh, I don't know. And, Avery previously had said that she really respected when she was first opening Vesta, the pizza place that Owen was like, everyone kind of thought it was crazy that she was going to try and pull this off. But Owen was like a strong supporter of her from day one. And that when she, you know, pitches this, what if I open another restaurant? Owen was not immediately supportive of her. 
And they do talk about that. And she like sends over a business plan and he looks at it and he apologizes and admits that like part of it might be because she'll be so busy now. And like, he wants to spend more time with her and he needs to get over that because it is a solid, solid business plan. And I feel like that could have been maybe played around with more to add more conflict. And if we got rid of some of the other stuff that we'd previously talked about being annoyed with, but ultimately they do say like, oh yeah, like we think this is a good idea. Like we're going to allow you to like proceed with this plan. Uh, so she, she starts getting ready for her big new restaurant. Yeah. Which she doesn't explicitly say in the book that they have big pretzel on the menu, but Avery's a smart, a smart cookie. I think she would definitely have big pretzel on the menu. Yes, definitely. Like she knows what the people want, and it's big pretzel. Big pretzel it cannot is big be pretzel. <laughs> and by the way, if you're if you're out here thinking like, oh, I've seen a big pretzel before, like, no, <laughs> this one is so big. <laughs> it's so big, guys. <laughs> Renata has it, a picture of it that she's showing to people, but at the same time, like, there's nothing in it to really give scale. <laughs> I know so because because like- there's like a cup of cheese next to it, and you think that like it's proport like it's proportionally, so you can't tell how large the thing of cheese is either. Because you <laughs> yeah, would but think the cheese, the cheese is like in a soup bowl. That's how much fucking yeah. cheese. So imagine, yeah, a but soup you would bowl you would think it was like a dip bowl, but it's like yes, it's so big. We should have okay. We have to go back and take a picture like of the pretzel in front of our faces, so that you're like yes. ah, it's bigger than their faces. Or yeah, put a it, corner it was on the a, plate or something. It was mm. truly an, an amazing amount of cheese to get with a pretzel. Yeah. Yeah. When Renata I, picked up the two pretzels to go, they gave us cheese to go in like to pints. go soup containers. Pints. Yes. We got a pint of cheese for the pretzels. For each pretzel, each pretzel got its pint of cheese. One for each car. Yeah, I would say the pint wasn't totally full. The probably a total one pint of cheese. But... Half a pint. It's too much cheese. It's it's too mm, much cheese for even non lactose intolerant people. Mm, it was so good. I want. <laughs> I want it. Um. By the way, thank you again, Patreon patrons, for funding Big Pretzel. Yes. Uh, so happy. <laughs> Funding, I think, like three big pretzels total. Yeah. Um, Should have had more. Yeah. So at the end, also, Owen proposes with his original plastic gumball machine ring. And, you know, they're going to get married, too. Yeah, they talked it out. Ryder, who's such a douchebag, is like, is there something in the beer? Some sort of get married drug that's going to piss me off? Like. Ryder Ryder is one of those characters who's like so aggressively masculine it comes back around to gay where he's just like oh there's a women here disgusting (laughs) (laughs) oh I didn't even think about that but good point there's a part in the third book where because obviously he gets together with Hope where Hope is like over his house and asking him if he has certain like utensils and it becomes very like, fellas, is it gay to own a whisk? Like, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah writer sucks. Um, <laughs> and I'm so sorry for Hope. She seems happy with him, but like, I I don't know. I think he's he has endearing qualities. He likes Gambit. You know, you can't that's hate true. a guy that likes that's Gambit. True. That's true. That's true. 
He might be a little gay for Gambit, aren't we all? <laughs> Maybe a little gay for Gambit, yeah. I'm not. Well, I'm the opposite well, of gay for Gambit. You're lesbian for Rogue. Writer called Owen's coffee maker Hilda, quote, claiming anything that shiny and complicated had to be female. Which actually, I think, proves that he doesn't understand Gambit's character fundamentally, because Gambit <laughs> is shiny and complicated. I mean, he's complicated. I don't know that he's shiny. He's shiny. Let's get back to safe ground that we can all agree on. Big pretzel. Big pretzel. <laughs> I mean... I didn't have a lot of big pretzels, so I don't know that we're on the same ground. But oh if you God. like okay. pretzels. Okay. Okay. Let's get back to the safest ground of all. <laughs> In Boonesboro was nice. It was yes? very nice. Yes. Dope. Yes. Dope yes. as hell. Loved it. Can't wait to go back. Oh, uh, Willie B and Justine got together, which is Avery's dad and the boy's mom. And Owen is like really freaked out about it in a way that I didn't really think was called for, but... Well, he came Avery around to it. it. Avery says Owen has sex issues. Clearly, he's a little That's bit of true. a poop. He is, I, yeah. You know, I ha- my parents are still married. I, I do feel like I can kind of, to an extent, see where Owen is coming from. Like, if I walked into the kitchen and unexpectedly, like, my mom was my, you know, mother. If my parents were not still together and I saw one of my parents canoodling with someone new who was like, a trusted friend of the family who I had never considered in that light before, I too might have freaked out a little bit. Maybe not to the extent that Owen did, but I can sort of understand that. Okay. (laughs) In Boonsboro. It's so hard for me to say it. I want to say (laughs) Boonsboro. It was nice. It was really nice. Yeah, this was (laughs) was a good book. I don't think this is... I mean, I know that we kind of complained about it a lot, but also... You know, it was enjoyable. I thought this whole trilogy was very enjoyable. I think it's a nice, you know, little... Yeah, it's still a good trilogy. It still is an excellent advertisement for In Boonesboro. Yeah. So hard to say. Oh, by the way, uh, people did inquire about this, the audiobook listening speed. We listened to both of these at 1.5x in Kate's car. And I gotta say, I'm not converted Next time I listen to an audiobook and myself, I'm going back to full normal speed. Thank you. That's perfectly fine. Unless you're driving down to Innsboro, Boonesboro again. And See, it's hard. <laughs> well, I want to call it Bonesboro. So I'm yes. like owl housing it. <laughs> Same. Um, I did, in fact, call it Bonesboro at one point on Friday night when I was talking to someone about it and I had to rewind my brain i think oh. i think halloween at the inn boonesboro should be Bonesboro. oh it totally should be i was gonna say if you go there on like your honeymoon then it's bonesboro but that's <laughs> lo- <laughs> oh uh just heads up also i did check and they are looking for an innkeeper at the innkeeper <sighs> in boonesboro so if you want to make it your career that could be a possibility check their website Ooh. Um, I you don't live I don't. in the apartment and everything. If it was, if it was a an inn closer to here, maybe, but it's too far away for me. I can't eight hours from four hours from my family and eight hours from my Your entire sexual life. Yeah, yeah. 
any listeners in Maryland. Yeah. But yeah, it was a great trip. We had so much fun, as you heard about last week, if you listened to that episode. Definitely want to go back. It was so relaxing. It was so beautiful. Yeah. I do think the scariest part of this book, because there wasn't, you know, the ghost is friendly. It's not really a scary ghost, and there's no stalker. So I think the true horror of this is when writer microwaves hot pockets because he you know he's not a cook because that's gay and he doesn't have like a kitchen whatever whatever so he like but then he like immediately takes a bite out of it like your mouth is scalded writer you can't do that that's no you gotta poke a little hole to let some of the steam out before you go in there he just could be icy cold that's true actually (laughs) either way what you doing bud (laughs) Either yeah, way, I'm concerned. Mm mm. Avery apparently smells like lemon, like which was strange to me. Like Owen kept being like, he could. Here's a quote: He could still smell the lemon she used on her hair, comma her hands, which it implies that she's just like squeezing lemon juice all over herself, which I'm sure cannot be the case. And I mean, I know people do lemon juice in their hair. But A, she doesn't. She uses hair dye. It's established. And like, you know, you could have lemony perfume, but that's not what he's describing. He is describing a woman who uses lemons on herself for I guess, what? Well, I guess my assumption was that it was lemon scented products. I know that's the assumption, but. Oh, okay. Sorry. I know. I mean, I'm, when before you cook, don't you just cut open a lemon and just rub your hands in it before you cook right. anything? Right. Right. Like multiple times he just calls it like the lemon. And like yeah. anyway. Um maybe she but just also, eats lemon. Maybe. And like I you know, if she's washing her hands with dish soap, like sure that's lemon scented. I don't know if there's any perfume that's like just straight up lemon. That seems odd. She got she got like one of those those lemon juicers at the grocery store and she just spritzes <laughs> right. herself. Right. <laughs> Um. Yeah, that was a nitpick, but it did come up a lot, like her lemon scent, and I was like, "Did she?" <laughs> like, okay. Oh, Owen, Owen gets so horny that he spontaneously has a New Year's Eve party, yes. which is fun. Which is just funny to me. It's like fairly early in the book. Like she's like they've made out a bunch of times, and she's like, "I don't want to have sex yet because like we're best friends, and I don't want to fuck up our friendship, and we need to like both be really committed." And think about, like, if this is really the next step we want to take and not just do it because we're horny and stupid. And he's like, yeah, that's a good idea. We probably shouldn't just do it because we're horny and stupid. We should, like, think about the consequences. And so he's like, what if we did it on New Year's Eve? And she's like, oh, but I had plans with Hope because we're both single and I don't want to abandon her. And then he, like, spontaneously is like, well, what if I threw a New Year's Eve party and Hope could come too? (laughs) Um, Which is just, I was was very charmed by it. Yeah, and everyone in Owen's life is like, this New Year's Eve in like a week? And he's like, yeah, it's not that hard. And they're like, you need six months to plan a party. And I was like, in this case, by the way, I there was a whole conversation in the last episode that I cut because the episode was too long about uh, how Kate is Amy and I'm Jake. And then this, I was like, okay, yeah, like, now I'm Avery and Kate is Owen. <laughs> <laughs> Although I do stock up on tape. Yeah. Sure. I 
there's a lot of things that Avery does that uh, I relate to very hard in this book, but particularly the part where Owen is like throwing a whole party in a week. I'm like, I know that's stress. I can make it happen, but I wouldn't yeah. be good for my nerves. No. <laughs> anyway, uh, anything else anybody wants to say before we get into our dramatic readings? Go to Boonesboro. Yeah, it was Stay fun. the inn, go to the gift shop, take a picture next to the cardboard cutout of Nora Roberts in the uh, bookstore. bookstore. Mm-hmm. Eat yeah, a big Most importantly, eat a big pretzel and take a better photo with it where you can really appreciate the scale of big pretzel. Yes. Do you guys have to tell your listeners that you get a cut back of each big pretzel purchased? <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, we don't. I wish. We need we need to First of all, we need to get an agent, and then we need to have our agent get on the phone. <laughs> I mean, I don't even need, like, a cutback. I would just, like, for every, like, person who orders a big pretzel that we send, we should get a big pretzel, too. <laughs> or even, like, what a if- punch card, and next time yeah. we go back, it's like, oh, we have ten punches, so we get pretzel. Yeah. Yeah, maybe every four listeners that buy a big pretzel, you get a pretzel. <laughs> God, I want a pretzel so bad right now! <laughs> Yeah. Lindsay makes pretzels, doesn't she? Get on that. Lindsay does. Okay, look. Lindsay makes really good pretzels. I'm really impressed that she can make a pretzel from scratch. It's not as good as the one in Boonesboro. But it's still very good. It's still very good pretzel. But the one in Boonesboro is like... I mean, she's in the house right now. She might hear. (laughs) Does she listen to the podcast? Sorry, Lindsay. I'm sorry if this is the way you found out. (laughs) (laughs) They're they're certainly better than a pretzel I could make. She made garlic knots for the party on Friday and they were so good. They were so good, but they were not as good as Big Pretzel from Boonesboro. And that's that's okay. Because that's a really high bar and they were very good. What if they had a garlic knot that was the size of their Big Pretzel? Yay or nay? I mean, I'd eat it. Yeah, I think I think it would depend. Like, I, I I would need to taste it to fully compare it, but conceptual wise, yeah, I'm into it. Call a stance, both about big pretzel and big garlic knot. You know, I mean, maybe we could propose that and then get to be taste testers the next yes. time we go. Um. Well, Christine, I think you're first up for dramatic readings. Right. Chronologically. So yeah. Why don't, why don't you take us to Avery's tape crisis? Tape crisis. Yes. <clears throat> so Avery is wrapping gifts because she waited to the last minute because she's that scattered. And she reached for her tape, pulled the end, and got the sliver left on the roll. Damn it. No problem, she told herself. She'd bought more tape. She was sure of it. After a 15-minute search with rising frustration, trickles of panic, and a lot of swearing, she admitted she meant to buy more tape. So, no problem. She'd just run out and buy some. She checked the time, cursed again. How did it get to be nearly midnight? She needed tape! Spent another 15 minutes pawing through drawers, as yet unpacked boxes, searching closets. This, she decided, was a solid reason to live in New York, where a person could go out and buy anything they needed at any time of the day or night. When a person ran out of tape during a present ripening frenzy, she could buy more damn tape. She took a moment, ordering herself to stop being an idiot, and surveyed the current wreckage. The search had jumbled everything. Even unearthed potential gifts she'd bought during a shop, early shop, often phase she initiated the previous summer. Bad, she admitted. 
but not horrible. And there was tape down in the restaurant. She grabbed her keys, left the lights on, and light, left the lights and music on, then jogged down to unlock the restaurant. After switching on the lights, she headed to the counter, searched the drawer under the register. Aha! Pulled out the tape dispenser, elated, then deflated when she saw there was only a stingy amount left on the rolls. She hunted for the refill. Drawers, cubbies, the rear storage closet. When she found herself searching in coolers, she gave it up and poured herself a glass of wine. She sat at the counter, propped her head on her hand, and wondered how all her good intentions could be upended for the lack of a roll of scotch tape. The knock on the front door had her jerking upright, nearly slopping the wine on the counter. Owen stood in the security lights, peering in at her through the glass door. New York, definitely, she thought. A woman couldn't even have a private scotch tape crisis in Boonesboro. <laughs> yeah, and 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 this is a case. Where, this is a case where I do relate more to Owen because I I am always stocked up on tape. You better. Owen has it. three apparently rolls of tape, scotch tape in his truck. Yeah, this is a more Avery situation for me, where I will be like, frequently it'll even be like, there is tape in the house somewhere. Where is it? What a great question. When I went back to my office to clean out my desk before we went permanently remote, I stole so much scotch tape because we could never find it and I can still <laughs> never find it. You can always come you can always come borrow some from me. Yeah. I feel like the last time I was at your house, Kate, you told a story about how you were looking for batteries, couldn't find the batteries, and then somebody ordered a twenty pack of batteries and then you found the other four hundred batteries that you already had. Yes, that is correct. In other news, <laughs> I start Adderall on Monday. <laughs> <laughs> congrats never too late <laughs> alright well I'm going to do the next dramatic reading which is a, a, a kind of a squad of everyone discussing the inn because Avery gets to be the very first guest in the inn and she spends the first night in the Jane and Rochester room so um, it starts with Justine saying I'd really like to hear what Avery thought about her night in J&R. Like, I'd won a grand prize. The grand prize. I'm really clean because I tried out the tub last night and the shower this morning. Both are incredible. And the amenities are just delicious. She held out an arm to Owen. Smell me. He did. Nice. Yeah, it is. The towels are soft and thick. And God, let me say the heated tile floors, the heated towel rack inspired everything about the bathroom makes you feel pampered relaxed indulged that was the goal on the nose justine beamed at her also i want one of the robes for my own the fireplace is such a great feature especially when you're in that amazing bed and let me add it's the most comfortable bed i've ever had the pleasure of sleeping on it's great having all those pillows the different densities I tried out the TV, the clock radio thingy, read a couple chapters of Jane Eyre, picked it up on the DVD. If I had 10 thumbs, they'd all go up. It was absolutely fabulous. I really appreciate having the chance to test the room. And you know what? Oh my God. Well, we weren't in that exact room, but she's right. Yeah. They had a fireplace in Jane and... Oh, that's I where I want to stay one. next time. No, that's not where I want to stay next time. I want to stay in... Um, Elizabeth and Darcy. Elizabeth and Darcy next time. Because of the ghost. Wanna, um, yeah. You know what? We'll have to keep going back. Yes. Maybe I want to be the innkeeper. You should. You should. Because then we would get we would get extra free wine. I bet. And cheese. And olives. Well, no, olives yeah. would be for Nicole. But you could yeah, have cheese. I, was say. <laughs> I like olives. olives. 
I would I would eat some of the olives, but I would share. Yeah. Mm, Nicole wouldn't. Okay. <laughs> Love you, Nicole. All right. I'm going to read a little bit about Hope and Owen hunting the ghosts. And so we'll learn a little bit more like that. He approached the situation with Elizabeth as a problem. They had a ghost at the inn. Weird fact, yes, but fact. To date, she'd proved mostly amenable, somewhat temperamental, and she put them all in her debt by warning Beckett when that asshole Sam Fremont assaulted Claire. She'd only asked for one thing, for Billy. The problem was, who the hell was Billy? When the hell was Billy? What connection did the woman did he have to the woman they'd dubbed Elizabeth? The ring indicated a relationship, possibly an engagement, but that, in Owen's world, wasn't fact. Their resident ghost wasn't saying either way. It seemed to Owen the best place to start would be to identify Elizabeth and pin down when she died. I've been poking around paranormal activity sites. You pick up all kinds of wild stuff, and a lot of it has to be crap. But what I've pulled out is most people who haven't, you know, passed over tend to stick around where they died or go back to a place that was important or significant to them. If she died here, she could have been a guest, could have worked here, could have been related or connected to the owners. Death records would be a starting point, Hope said, but where to start? That's part of it, yeah? Well, the way you describe what she wore, it makes me think about the start of the Civil War and before 1870. Not the wide, wide hoop skirt, but still a wide scope. Skirt. Yeah, kind of. He held his arms out. It was a pretty quick look. If she'd let me get a look at her, I'd have a better idea. And why wouldn't she? Hope wondered. After all, they were, as Avery said, inmates. How about the sleeves? The sleeves? Of the dress, Owen. Long, short, snug, poofy. Oh, um, long? Kind of big, I think? Gloves. Did she wear gloves? I don't know that I... You know, I think so, but without fingers on them. Kind of lacy, like my grandmother's crocheting. And now that I think about it, one of those wrap things. A shawl. And you said a snood? He could only stare. I did? You said she had her hair up in a net in the back. That's a snood. If you say so. I do. I've got a minute or two. Can I? She asked, gesturing at his keyboard. Help yourself. He turned toward her as she sat and waited, enjoying his coffee as she typed. And I'll stop there because it goes on for like three more pages where they use fashion to date her and then find her. Guys, I'm sorry. Real quick question. Do do women just know about dress styles? Is that like, did we have a class in school that I missed or something? I Hope is established as the fashionista. Yes. She, I was going to say, I don't, but I know people who would be able to have this conversation. That's wild. I feel very, very attuned to Owen. In this <laughs> I would also be like, yes, there was fabric in places. <laughs> oh, so yeah, is is good. Good ghosts. Good book. Good in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you uh, like ghosts, this is one of Nora's gentle ghost books. She does have ghost books that are not gentle ghosts. Hmm. Well, it's it's time for readers' advisory, where we'll suggest things to read instead of or in addition to the In Boonsboro trilogy. So, Christine, do you have some other Nora ghosty books to recommend? Uh, well, there's the In the Garden trilogy, 
I think I recommended it before, but that's also three books. Uh, deals with a family house that's haunted instead of an inn. There's an older series of hers uh, with the Calhoun sisters. They live in a hotel, I think, that was also haunted, but I don't think the ghost plays quite as big uh, a role in it as in the Garden Trilogy. Those would be my two that I think of right off the top of my head. Yeah, what was the one you um, suggested that I buy in the bookstore? Oh. With the librarian in it? Yeah, that was the key. It's three. Yeah. It They all start with key. There's a key of light, key of knowledge, key of something else. I, I have it in my home, but just not within immediate reach. Yeah. And I haven't started reading it yet because I've been busy going to Boonesboro and such. But right. I'm glad yeah. to have it. I bought at the Turn the Page bookshop that Nora Roberts owns, uh, Nettle and Bone by T. Kingfisher, which I have not mm-hmm. st- also have not started yet, but I'm excited to because I love everything that T. Kingfisher writes. A book that I'll recommend that it's upcoming. I read an advanced copy, but because I was really excited about it. Um, it's called Family Lore by Elizabeth Acevedo, and it's her adult debut novel. She's written some really good YA novels that I'm sure we've recommended before. So while you're waiting for Family Lore, if you haven't read her YA ones, pick them up. But this one, it's about um, a family who um, many of whom have gifts like being able to um predict when someone will die and so this character floor who has that ability um decides to host a wake for herself before she dies and then it's sort of about all the other family members coming together and like what gifts they have but a like the family dynamics and the slight you know ghost adjacentness of it all as well as the the way that she writes about planning for the wake itself and especially like the character talks about having gone to all these baby showers and really admiring like the big wrapped up chair that the brides always sit in or the, you know, the moms to be always sit in. And then they make one of those for the bridal shower for Claire in this book. And I was like, yes, big chair representation. I don't know. I think I think because I had read it so recently, I was like, "Oh yeah, big chair." I was going to say for a second, I thought you were going to say, "Then they made a big chair for her wake," and I was going to be like, "Did they prop her body up in the chair in the wake?" That's not no. They, I mean, yeah, they did, but it's like a living wake, so she's still alive, and like as if it were like a baby shower. Like she would just sit there, but then listen to people talk about her as if she were dead, but she was alive, and she just like wanted to have this wake for herself before she died. Yeah, and she and she wanted a big chair for it. Live your big chair life. Yeah. Anyway, we'll have this list up at our website, worstbestsellers.com. And you know, the we previously did a round of readers advisory when we talked about the last, the previous slash first in Boonesboro book. You get it. You get <laughs> yeah. It. There's more on the website. Just- yeah, and. Also, I just want to throw out there that I think I said earlier, like, I really enjoyed all three of these books. Uh, the Perfect Hope, too. So, you know, check that one out. If you listen to us talk about these two and you want to know what happens, uh, pick up the third one. Yeah. There's not a ghost cat in it, but it's still pretty good. Yep. All right. Well, now it's time for the Rock Paper Snicked, where Kate says who Dwayne The Rock Johnson will be if you're in this book. And I'll say who Wolverine would be if you're in this book. And 
Gambit's not in it, sadly. And Christine can choose which most enhances the book or paper, which is to leave the book as is. Okay. Uh, So if Dwayne The Rock Johnson was in this book, he would appear very briefly and mostly off screen to give Avery's mother a small donation to get help her get back on her feet after the death of her husband. Uh, And that would keep her from going to Avery for money. And then that whole situation would be just neatly avoided. Those fights would be neatly avoided and the book could just get on. All right. Um, If Wolverine were in this book, he would be at CVS buying large quantities of beef jerky and his presence would distract Owen from noticing Avery buying the pregnancy test. He'd just be like, wow, like that guy's buying a lot of beef jerky. Oh my God, it's Wolverine. (laughs) And then he would never notice Avery and then they would never have that dumb fight about it and, and everything else would be the same. I mean... In this case, Wolverine is really kind of just a more gruff version of Ryder. So. Oh, man, it's tough. I'm going to go with with Wolverine. I think, yeah, large amounts of beef jerky would probably do the trick. And if that gives his tight jeans would. Exactly. And the fact that he's not wearing a shirt. Yeah. No, he is wearing it because he wants to get service. <laughs> That's true. No, sure. Um, but it's just like a tank top. Gotta show those guns. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he works. He works hard on them. Yeah. All right. Now it's time for Dorothy's corner. When my cat Dorothy shares his opinions about the book. Yeah, Dorothy, and we've talked before about Nora's pro-dog bias, and it really is on display here. Yeah, there are a lot of dogs. A lot of dogs running around. No cats. Maybe someday. Maybe we'll revisit Uh, Black Hills at some point. Yeah, and Dorothy, I understand that for a cat to lay down on somebody is actually a sign of, like, real respect. Uh, but when a man does it to a woman, there's just a slightly different connotation. And that's what we were really having trouble with. Yeah. 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 I know. I know that would be hard for you to understand, Orte. Um, so thank you for Renata explaining that. Appreci- yeah. Obviously, Renata appreciates every time she wakes up with you directly on her chest. <laughs> yes, um, of course. <laughs> a blessing. That is clearly a blessing. <laughs> um. All right. Well, Duarte, thanks as ever for that. And I'm sorry that I couldn't bring you to Boonesboro, but you are not allowed there due to Nora's pro-dog bias and also because you are not a service animal. Yeah. Get on that. Yeah. I mean, podcasting is a service and he provides it. Get him a little jacket that says podcasting cat. Oh, okay. <laughs> that's my that's my closing thought. Is I will look into that and then see how long it takes for him to immediately contort his body to remove it. Yeah, from himself. Do other humans have any closing thoughts? No, this was. I'm so happy we went to Boonesboro. It was great. I think that we've very strongly pushed that people should go there if they can. 
if they're interested in it. Um, and it, it was just, it was very nice. And the books were pretty good and you should pick them up. And yeah, that's what I have to say, I guess. I mean, don't be taken in completely by Big Pretzel. Make your own decisions. Don't, don't <laughs> just believe everything you hear. There were other good menu like, items would, as well. There were there were. there were other non and they had a a very large amount of uh, alcoholic beverages, mm-hmm. beers, and ciders. Very good. Good cocktails. Yeah, excellent cocktails. Locally grown lettuce. <laughs> <laughs> Correct. Worth the extra three dollars. Totally worth yeah. it. <laughs> If you'd like to come talk to us, show us pictures of big pretzels, see our picture of big pretzels, you should find us on social media. We're on Facebook and Instagram at Worst Bestsellers, spelled normally. And we are still on Twitter at Worst Bestseller with no S because the the S is off at CVS in a big town buying a pregnancy test and it's kind of a far drive. So we, we wish the S all the best on its journey. But it's not with us at this time. You can find us on Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Amazon, Spotify, all of the places where you normally buy or listen to podcasts. You don't buy them. We're free. Um, If you do listen to us at any of those places, if you could take a moment to rate and review. When you rate and review, it moves us up on the charts and makes it easier for new people to find us. Uh, If you don't rate and review us, we might be forced to reject your idea for a restaurant slash tap room um, located across the street from your current pizza parlor. It won't be anything personal, but, uh, you know, it, it stings that you won't help support another small business. You can also find us on Patreon at patreon.com slash worstbestsellers. Patreon is a site where you pledge a small monthly recurring donation that goes to us to do things like go to Boonesboro, but also, mm-hmm. you know, keep our equipment up to date, pay for our web hosting, pay for our editing software and all sorts of things like that. And in exchange, there's all sorts of perks for you, including a podcast that comes out monthly, an extra episode that tells you what we're into recently um stickers postcards and all sorts of other exciting things uh there's a discount on merch available and we do in fact have merch which you can find by going to worstbestsellers.com and clicking on store and you can find all sorts of things from our podcast to wear on your body we've got a discord server as well which is you can also find a link to on worstbestsellers.com and uh, you can chit chat with other fans and see who else is planning their trip to Boonesboro. Town takeover. <laughs> if you want to follow just me personally, uh, I'm on Facebook and Instagram at Renata Snacks. If you want to follow me personally on social media, I'm at 14 across. Christine, do you have any anything public? Yeah, I do have a Twitter at CE underscore Ricketts. That's two T's. Uh, I'm not on there a ton, but if you give me a shout out, I'll shout back. You can ask Christine for Nora Roberts advice and perhaps she'll have some. Or recommendations. Always willing. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, our, our lovely time with Nora Roberts is drawing to a close for now. And we'll be back in two weeks with the much, much requested. It ends with us by Colleen Hoover, which 
I got to tell you, I started reading a little bit of it this morning and it is bananas. It is, ooh, it's, there's going to be much to discuss. So Excellent. get, hold on to your butts. Okay. <laughs> and Christine, thank you for joining us. Thank you for, um, honestly, thank you for not eating your share of big pretzels so that we could have more big pretzel. Yeah, truly. Uh, always a pleasure. <laughs> yeah. For you guys only. <laughs> um bye bye, bye. <laughs> he has I a butt <laughs> well i think we've lost i think we've lost I, yeah, I think we're so deep in the weeds. We're spiraling a little. <laughs>